Minus three is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Yes, sports fans. Hi and hello and welcome to Minus Three, presented as ever by Omaha. I hope your sports weekend went better than mine did. It was real dark stuff, except closest to home. I'll tell you about that in a second. I do want to also say thank you to the Czech Republic, to those consumers of Minus Three and all things extra points. Our 15-minute pregame show doing very well. I think it's in fact we can call it a hit there, Eddie Spaghetti, right? I'm just so glad that people are following along, whether you want to bet with us or fade us. Um, you're tuning in again, 15 minutes. Everyone has time for that. No one has time for the three hours. So, yeah, keep subscribing to YouTube. Keep watching on Twitter. We really appreciate it. Let me tell you something. It would be a better sports weekend, at least for me, had it not been for those two creepos, Patrick Mahomes. And who was it? It was Asante Samuel being Mr. Cool and sliding down instead of house in the ball and covering. Well, I mean, I I, I could I could have been on the plus side of things over the weekend. And then you guys had to worry about putting the game away and things like that. I do love the new conspiracy theory that the NFL rigged the game against the Jets. It couldn't possibly be that the Chiefs are better than, than the Jets. No, that the NFL is rigging things because Taylor Swift is rooting for the other team. Well, I mean, come on, people. Have some it, dignity. It's not the, it's not that the, I mean, no yeah, bad it, calls, no doubt. It, that's what the, the problem is the bad calls. And then it's the bad calls that are inconsistent because you don't get the holding on Jermaine Johnson, the sauce Gardner call. Even if that was a penalty, you got to call both or you got to call zero. And the major issue, which ties into it is every off season, the NFL goes into this. And this is something that me and Hedge talked a lot about at the end of last NFL season that they go review these calls. And then they just say, no, 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 we, we had the right call there. It's fine. They don't make changes. The NFL never admits they're wrong. And it just like, it's the most frustrating as a sports fan is to have your team be screwed by the zebras. So uh, I'm not, complaining about the refs I, uh, I they always will screw up it's now more on the nfl to correct the referees mess ups and that's my problem okay i hear you well said and by the way if you are one of the have nots in pro football right now um good news there's going to be an nfl draft next spring and there happen to be a number of good quarterbacks in the pipeline right now we're going to be talking with mike renner from the messenger in just a couple of minutes. I want to get his read on some of those quarterbacks, Drake May, Caleb Williams, Shadur Sanders and beyond, but also some guys who just left college over the last couple of years, specifically the mess going down in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania right now with, well, he's not the prodigal son because he never left Pitt, but Kenny Pickett under center now in his sophomore year, knee injury against the Falcons on a dreadful, all-time dreadful play design, play call, fourth and one against the Houston Texans. You understand? The 2023 Houston Texans. Well, I don't know who the Steelers thought they were playing, but on fourth and one, they went and gunned and didn't hand the ball off to Najee Harris, who was making hay on the ground in that very quarter. Instead, Kenny Pickett spun himself. It really was the perfect storm. I'm going to keep saying it's that because if you try to point at who's responsible for what's wrong with the Steelers right now, it's Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator's fault. No, no, it's Mike Tomlin for enabling Matt Canada. No, no, it's that Omar Khan and company didn't do a good enough job of building up that offensive line. No, no, it's the quarterback 
who they overdrafted in the first round just because he went to pit. You know what it is? It's kind of a collective of those things. That's the bottom line. And that's the the most poisonous soup I can brew up for you right now is that you can't just remove one person from this mess and fix everything. Unfortunately, the Steelers are going to be without Kenny Pickett against the arch rival Baltimore Ravens, who looked very good in destroying DTR and the brand. He's, that's the big takeaway. If you feel like your team is a have not right now, you ain't out of nothing four weeks through. Go ahead and look at the standings. That, I mean, that's all I can tell you. I mean, you can doom and gloom it all you want. And you are, if you are Steelers fan specifically, obviously, Jets, you got a raw deal. If you're a Browns fan right now, you ain't out of nothing. Even though your team isn't looking great, go ahead and look at the standings. You, Based on our conversations in July and how nasty the AFC was going to be, you would have thought you're out of it by now. There must be a bunch of 4-0 teams. Of course, obviously, they cannibalize each other. There are a bunch of 500 teams. Nothing is over um, just yet um, for, for most teams. Most teams. Some teams are already finished. But um, I do want to say... Here's my big takeaway. We said it going into the weekend, and I think we we come out of it believing this even more strongly. The Niners are the best team, right? I I mean, yeah, I think so. I think we're going to get down the the best trade if they win the Super. They have to win once with Christian McCaffrey, but if they do, um, it goes down as probably the best trade in the history of the NFL to like kind of continue this sort of dynastic 49ers run where they're just always so good. And um, Brock Purdy just, it feels like he doesn't have to really do anything. There's never a game where it's like Purdy needs to lead them. It's just like they go out, they get an early lead, a huge lead. The defense is smothering. McCaffrey just finds a way to get open. They have so many weapons on the outside too. Um, and, and Kittle, the safety blanket, the roster is incredible. People on the off season were saying like, is Shanahan actually a good coach? Like, yeah, he is. Lynch, you know, might've screwed up the Trey Lance thing, but as we've seen across the NFL and we'll get into that with Mike is like teams just miss teams miss on quarterbacks. Evaluating quarterbacks is the hardest thing they missed on Lance. It didn't matter because they drafted so well everywhere else and all their free agents moves and the trades are always been great. Picking up Trent Williams, like everything they do is class. They are really, really great. And um, I would not be shocked uh, if it, again, we have a, a rematch of what we saw last year, Eagles Niners in the uh, NFC title game. Well, yeah, we have delicious rivalries going on there. Cowboys and Niners this week and Steelers and Ravens and Red River shootout and all of that. Looking forward to that one. That should be that's that's the best edition of that particular one. Those two teams are uh, headed to the SEC. I don't know if you heard about that, but they are. Um, so we'll get you right for those later in the week. We're going to jump in with uh, Mike Renner. A um, couple things real quick about the Niners. I also have to give them credit. You know, I love the Chargers and the Raiders uniform separately and definitely when they're head to head against each other. Big upset in week four, the Cardinals head to toe white in their new look getups, which are really kind of retro against the home Niners. Uniform matchup of the week, says the uniform. And congratulations to all parties involved there. Um, nice win for your fighting Irish. I know Mike Renner's happy about that. He's an Irish alum. Um, so you guys are over the moon. And you know what? I don't ding you for struggling against Duke. That was a signature spot for that program. You survived it. I was happy for Sam Hartman, as a matter of fact. The kid, you know, transfers away and everything and handsome devil and all that. If he has two losses before he gets out of September, I think you kind of call Notre Dame season already a failure if they were, you know, if they got dinged twice before they even play SC. So I was happy to see that. Good for you, Eddie Spaghetti. 
Sure. I mean, huge fourth down uh, run conversion by Hartman there. Um, I am c- pleased with the defense. The defense has been great all year long. They were great versus Ohio State and great versus Riley Leonard and Duke, who a, a great quarterback, a great duel for a quarterback. They don't really get talked about enough. Uh, I mean, Duke is a football school now under Mike Elko. Um, and uh, I mean, estimate with that 30 second, you know, ru- t- rushing touchdown to, to seal the game. Um, the injury stinks, but I, you know, they have another tough game. Like they have Louisville next week. Louisville is now ranked like Louisville oh, is 25. And then it. I'm just saying, and then they have SC and then they have Clemson on the road. So it's like, uh, uh it's a very, very tough schedule. If they, you know, I did, I did like seeing SC giving up a thousand yards to Colorado in one game. That's always uh, really pleasing because again, Notre Dame's defense has been really, really strong. Caleb Williams is a whole other animal, but um, I, I, the offense needs to perk up a little bit, but um, good win. Uh, they need you need to win, you know, through adversity because they really weren't tested the first three weeks um, until really Ohio State. So hopefully those coaching errors are behind them and on to Louisville, which should be um, a semi tough game. Well, yeah, um, the star power of Shadur Sanders, I don't think dim too much because of that second half rally, but I do think he could use a little boost Colorado in general. Maybe Shadur could start dating. Um, if he would date like Taylor Swift or something like that, I don't know. That's an idea I have to to bring some attention back there. Um, the baseball playoffs get going this weekend. Your Yankees ain't in them. My Pirates ain't in them. The Dodgers are in them. And as a tip of the cap to the great World Series level matchup, Yankees and Dodgers, those two teams have played in a number of fall classics, as you know. That went on in Encino Little League. On Sunday night, it went to extras, and who came to the plate with the game on the line, the uh, winning run at third base, nobody out. Little boy, Hoover Damashek stepped to the plate, line drive to first base, enough to bring home the game-winning run. The hero, we rejoiced, we danced on the field. The only thing we missed were the light shards falling from above like on Roy Hobbs after he hit his colossal shot to win the pennant for the uh for the New York Knights. So uh that was a special one. So ultimately we break even if not come out uh, in the black in the Damashek home thanks to the deeds uh with the stick at the plate the game on the line of Hoover Damashek stroking that uh that game winner for us but sad times in Pittsburgh. I feel very bad for Phil Jerkovic, the prodigal son coming back to Pittsburgh for that 6th year and really really looking awful, having a terrible year. Pitt football is having a terrible year. And then on top of it, the guy he replaced or kind of sort of after Keaton Slavis came in there for that one bum year, Kenny Pickett also struggling. This is the downside. I support 100%, obviously, the idea of taking the local kid to be your starting quarterback at the pro level. It's great stuff, but right now it's feeling like the weight is even heavier because of that baggage that comes with having been the known entity and we brought him in. And I think there's a, I don't want to say betrayal, but I think people are pretty bummed out to see, uh, to see the kid, the local kid or the pit kid struggling the way he is. And the question is, is it Matt Canada? Is it the QB? Is it the O-line? Yes, yes. And yes, it's all of those things. And I do think that Mike Tomlin is going to rally them. I do think they're going to get, the double digit wins. That's what he does. I just another season that we have to have a, a like an in-between second and third act kind of Rocky musical montage to rally. Like 
dun, 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 dun. like he said, like the Steelers have to go run through the streets and all the Steelers fans have to gather around and wave their towels as they go by. And we have, we're going to pull this thing out and get back to, to, to um, decency and make a run at the playoffs. It wasn't supposed to be this year. I'm going to speak out against it um, consistently until and um, if ever they get back on the track. This is so far a very disappointing season, and it is not just Matt Canada and the starting quarterback. They didn't cross midfield, though, in the first half against the Houston Texans. On the other side of things, though, no sacks. They got gashed by uh, Damian Pierce. One of the worst running teams in pro football just consistently gashed. He didn't break off one long run against them. It was all day. Uh, Damian Pierce running behind a, a, a group of backup offensive linemen. The corners can't cover anybody high end or above average pass catchers. You saw that again with the Texans guys. Meantime, you have Mike Tomlin overseeing the whole thing. He is conservative by nature. In pigskin terms, he always talks about we don't live in our fears. He lives in being obstinate, though. He's sticking with Matt Canada when everybody under the sun sees that this is just not. There has been enough time now from old Ben Roethlisberger to young Kenny Pickett. The results remain the same. Unacceptable um, in pro football if you want to have a consistent winner out on the field there. I think what he's living in now is the fake mojo he talked about last week. It's bad times in Pittsburgh. And you know what? I feel like I don't want to live in my feelings and Eddie Spaghetti, with all due respect, I don't think you have the answers. Let's go to a third party expert who probably isn't as passionate about all things black and gold and try and make some sense of this and talk some college football quarterbacks and beyond with Mike Renner right now. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050. 
open 50-50 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, let's get into this. You know, I my emotions, as you can tell, are raw. Let's uh, let's get some icy distance from this 30, third party objective evaluation of what's going down in Pittsburgh. You know what? Let's talk about pro football at large with one of the best evaluators in the business. You follow him every springtime in advance of the draft. And he uh, he's taken the pulse of what's going down in pro football as we speak. Also rejoicing because his Notre Dame fighting Irish emerged victorious. On Saturday night, he's Mike Renner from The Messenger. What's happening, man? Fi- glad we finally uh, connect here on the podcast. Yeah, so glad. It's been too long. But it, uh, I'm I'm not sure I'm rejoicing after that Notre Dame win. I'm more like exhaling. The last two weeks okay. almost killed me with the game, the Ohio State game, and then those back-to-back. Like, my heart can only take so much. Yeah, I get the relief angle from an Irish supporter against Duke. You should beat that team. Not, not, not fraudulent, but obviously you're the entrenched uh, football power. Um, But then Sam Hartman breaks off that run. There had to be a little euphoria, right? Okay. When, yeah. when, that when one, that run got that me one. going. Yeah. The run was, that was a different level. That was just like a play. Like Notre Dame consistently uh, just from my fandom. I went there starting 2008. they, they just never make that play, right? <laughs> they haven't had a guy who's made that play. And they finally did. I love Hartman. Well, listen, I have to tip my cap to you. I used to be uh, in the club of uh, of great hairdos for fellas. Um, age has gotten the better of me now. You still. What a, what a mane you have. Muzzle tub on that. But it takes a backseat to Sam Hartman. So, I mean, what, what a head of hair that fella has. I don't know that the draft evaluators are going to add that in to his pro football resume. Um, but 
Go ahead and give it to us right now. Sam Hartman, does he project as a first-round draft pick? Well, the flow is first round. It is yeah. elite flow beard combo. I mean, I saw more TikToks about him from females than I did from males and people tweeting about it. He's a weekend. handsome devil. But let's let's just get first round. Here he is. I'm not gonna that's a and he looks older than me too, somehow. I mean, he's pretty yeah. old for a college quarterback, but he looks like he's in his mid-30s. Um, but first round, I don't think he has the arm talent. Uh and, and one, and then two, this quarterback class is gonna have like it's going to have a lot of guys in that mix. This really is one of the deepest, maybe not be like five first rounders like we saw in 2021, but you're going to have like 10 guys go in the top hundred, probably at the quarterback position. Cause there's just a lot of talent. So I think he could sneak his way into that top hundred if he keeps playing well, but I do think he's just limited physically enough that I don't think he's going to project to like a starter at the next level. So probably projecting hmm. back up immediately, which drops him probably day three. Okay, while we're on the subject, go ahead and do it. This is, uh, you know, it's like uh, talking to a doctor and not showing him the growth on your elbow. I have to take advantage of you while we have you here. Give us your ranking of the QBs as it stands right now. Some uh, some late noise about Shadur Sanders maybe vaulting past Caleb Williams. How say you? Give us win play show your top three quarterbacks in the 2024 draft. I can't get on board with that. Caleb Williams is still, and I actually, I can't even get on board with jumping Drake May either. So I, I Caleb mm-hmm. Williams won. I was honestly saw him neck and neck with Drake May heading into the year. I, I think Caleb Williams is just like too gifted to like fail. I, I just think he's really got total package. Even if like that USC offense sometimes is playing on easy mode, him then Drake May. And then QB three is the one that's like debatable. I, I still, I'm leaning Bo Nix right now over Shadour. Hmm. But it's Shadur is like, come on, real strong. It, it's those two to me are neck and neck right now. But I think Bo Nix is almost underrated because it's almost like what Jalen Hurts' career was. You think of Jalen Hurts, everyone thinks freshman year Jalen Hurts, right, at Alabama coming out in draft. People are like, that guy can't be an NFL quarterback. Everyone thinks freshman, sophomore year, Bo Nix at Auburn. And, I mean, admittedly, it was not didn't look like an NFL quarterback at all. But the last two years, uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a gifted runner. Uh, hmm. I think Bo Nix can be can sneak his way in the first round here. All right. Listen, let's talk maybe towards the end of the season or maybe after it passes and get in on the draft evaluation. It's endlessly fascinating to me, even though it hits the same beats at roughly the same point on the football (laughs) calendar every single year. And I've talked about it ad nauseum. I, I want to try and figure this out. If you're at the quarter pole here um, in the NFL season and your season ain't going right as a football fan, you are now starting to listen to Mike Renner and thinking about like, ooh, can we get Drake May? Is that a possibility? Could he be under center for my favorite football team? But, you know, it's changed to some degree. And I always point at Cliff Kingsbury making the impact that will um, that has already outlasted his presence in the NFL, which is just because you took a a quarterback in the first round last year, doesn't mean that you can't take another quarterback in the first round the following year. And so I kind of want to figure out here at what point is it appropriate to tear off the bandage, uh, the bandaid? If you have drafted a quarterback in the first round here, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers as a, for instance here. The idea of sunk costs, you know, the Steelers draft this kid in the first round, you know, a year ago to, you know, 18 months or so ago. And he has Matt Canada, who he worked with at Pitt. And 
there were some signs, some cause for optimism in the back half of 2022 with Pickett and Canada. And now four games in, it looks like a complete mess. And so specific to this situation, but more universally, at what point do you sort of say like, yeah, we invested in this kid with a first round pick and he's working with this coordinator. Do you make a change? Because if you make a change at the coordinator level, aren't you essentially scuttling the ability to fully get a good read on this quarterback who is in his second year, who you want to know by the end of his second season, like this is our guy, 100% we're rolling with this guy for the next couple few years. Do you understand kind of what I'm trying to ask you here? I I don't know if it's too muddled my question for you, but try (laughs) and make some sense of like, at what point should you, how about that? At what point should you know as a pro football team, like, this ain't right. We got it. We got to tear it up and start from scratch. When does it make sense to do that without scuttling the entire operation and setting it back a couple of years? I will say, I think year three is the, is the last possible year I'd give a quarter, you you know, to like figure it out in, in terms of showing that he's one of, you know, the 32 best stars in the NFL. But even then, if you are like 20 through 32, like it, it, until you've shown that you're really a franchise guy, I think you should always have your options open. And especially in the draft, when we just see an influx of quarterback talent, seemingly every single year coming in that, you know, with the increase of passing at high school level and just private quarterback coaches and just like the development of these guys, I think until you have, you know, until you feel secure in that guy that, you know, he's a big time second contract quarterback, you should always have your options open. And, and especially when, you know, that's to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers here, especially when like quarterback this year, really not look good. And now obviously I have an opinion on that, that, you know, it's not necessarily all his fault, but it's like, there's nothing really to point to on tape through four games this season, sadly saying, Kenny Pickett's a franchise quarterback. Now he looked great in the preseason. I thought he had flashes down the stretch, but there's no consistent high level of play that we've seen from him. And again, like, extraneous circumstances here. I think he's in a bad situation for himself, but at the same time, a lot of the, you know, the guys who turn out to be dudes, whether it's Joe Burrow, you know, with Zach Taylor, whether it was Justin Herbert with three different OCs, his first three years, like they tend, the cream tends to rise no matter what, like it's usually when a guy has it, the guy hasn't. So, um, I think that, so to answer your question, I'm not sure if they answer your question, but no, I think you, I I, know, I think you're getting at it. Right. Or year one, two, if you don't show any of that, you, you keep the options open. I, I don't think it hurts you at worst, you know, say the light switch does come on, you draft quarterback in the offseason, light switch does come on. You have two quarterbacks, they're the most valuable assets in the NFL. You can trade a guy who's in his prime, say it's, it is Kenny Pickett, say it's, you know, you do draft Drake May next year, whatever it is. That guy doesn't lose their value and, and even holds their value. And we saw Sam Darnold play terribly and still get a second rounder in return for the New York Jets. Like they hold their value. And are worthy of those high picks way more than any other position in the NFL. Whereas, you know, Jeffrey Okuda plays poorly. He goes for a sixth rounder. So I, I mm. don't think that it's a crazy, as crazy a conversation. And I don't think it's necessarily, uh, you're necessarily hurting one guy's development as much as it is just giving your guys, giving your team the most options possible, the most valuable position. In a weird way, the canary in the coal mine could be Washington, what, 2010, 2011? What season was that? 20. 12 maybe even when rg3 um yeah that's 2012 um 
you know, they also, Washington, takes Kirk Cousins in the third round, and Kirk Cousins by year two or three has that team in the playoffs. And obviously we know what's uh, what's happened with Cousins since all that. So I don't think it's crazy, the idea. And I do think that just like, oh, you, you you can't run the option in the NFL gets blown up when you actually try. Like, oh, yeah, you can. I guess you can do that. It's the the old saw about like, well, yeah, you, you, you can't take quarterbacks over. Like, yeah, you can. You know, I get what I, I made fun of Colin Cowherd last week when he suggested that the Steelers should offer up three first round picks and TJ Watt and uh, whoever else to try and get um, Caleb Williams. And I do get the spirit of what he's saying. If you don't land the franchise QB, the thing that that allows you is you can contend, you can win a Super Bowl with a middle-class QB. What you can't do is be in contention every single year. But you mentioned Sam Darnold, and that brings me to the 49ers. And that is what trips up football fans is, how do you explain Brock Purdy that? You know, like, how is it possible that the idea that you got to move heaven and earth to get one of the 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 bonafide real deal QB superhero level talents, whether it's Drake May, Clay, Caleb Williams, or otherwise, how then do you explain the success that the the Niners are having, even though they missed on Trey Lance a couple of years ago and fell into Brock Purdy? Well, and that goes back to what I was saying about strenuous circumstance for Kenny Pickett. There, there is an offensive tree that has proliferated around the NFL where seemingly every quarterback it touches is gold now, whether it's, you know, it's, it's a Shanahan tree. So they're just obviously Purdy, whether it's CJ Stroud with Bobby Slowick down in Houston now playing the best of any rookie, whether it's Tula playing, you know, at an MVP level Miami with Mike McDaniel, whether it's, you know, Matt Stafford, uh, obviously out in LA, like you could do a lot. You should, it should be a twofold thing. It's, do you have the play caller who's scheming up open guys for a guy? And then do you have the quarterback who's also hitting that guy? So it's, it is a twofold. You can, you know, create offense through both avenues and ideally through both avenues. But it's if you don't have that play caller, you, you better have, uh, you know, the superhuman guy quarterback or else you're not going to be moving the ball offensively in today's NFL sadly. So that's it is a twofold problem that uh, currently the Steelers are feeling both those folds. I asked somebody once uh, why he broke up with uh, with a woman. He's like, because she all she always wanted to sit with her back to the wall in the restaurant. And that's where I want to sit. Everybody can't be the star. If you, it's a relationship. You know, they always talk about who's got the hand in a, in a romantic relationship. It does sound to me like the opposite, like both guys want to drive the car. Neither guy. Canada or Pickett is breaking through. Shanahan can make a go of things and actually succeed in the NFL with Brock Purdy or the other side of the ledgers. I mean, I guess the perfect thing is though Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are are the optimal yes. marriage. Um, I don't know that Josh Allen with Ken Dorsey is in as good a situation, but he's imbued with those aforementioned superhero powers, so it kind of doesn't matter. And then down in Miami, you have Tua, who has human gifts, not uh, not outsized ones, but he has Mike McDaniel calling the play plays. So give me the blame assessment here because it's whack-a-mole. You can kind of silo like it's Kenny Pickett because, look, he doesn't – he's making bad reads here. I can see on the All-22 um, to my relatively untrained eye, I can see he's missing open receivers. That's on him. 
But also, I can see that Matt Canada is not consistently putting the offense in favorable situations. Um, so what is your your blame assessment? Or do you put it on the offensive line, which is uh, option C? Or you can go D. It's a collection of all. <laughs> uh, I think I think it definitely is a collection of all. Like, no one's really pulling their weight. It's not like Kenny Pickett's playing fantastic football, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's just literally no one open. Like you said, there are times where he has throws that he's just either turning down or has missed. But I, if I had to put it, I think it's, you know, 50% Canada on the OC of the play calling They're probably like 30, 35% on the offensive line, then whether 15, 20 on Pickett, And it's more like the mesh of just going. So going back to Pickett at in college at Pittsburgh and what he did best, like he had, I believe the longest time to throw in the nation that year. He is a guy who wants to work deep to short, and he wants to attack down the football field, but he wants time to do it. He, he's a guy who's going to buy himself time, no matter what he's going to do, to try to work downfield first. And he's in an offense where the downfield stuff that they're giving him is outside the numbers almost entirely. And he, he's like to throw a lot of posts when they give him that and like digs and inbreakers. He likes those routes, likes them a lot of pit. It's an offense that's not giving him a lot of chances in those areas. And so when he is, Attacking, it has to be almost outside the numbers on pure go routes on the outside. And that just wasn't really who he was at Pittsburgh, even. It's not who he is as a pastor. And so those balls have been very inconsistent and very, uh, you know, you're limiting yourself in big plays because that's just not a ball he throws particularly great. And so you're trying to make him into this quick passer, timing offense when that's never really been his game. And you're not giving him a lot of throws. He was so successful at a pit. And then when he has tried to buy time and obviously the off the line, you're getting a lot of pressure on him so far this season, he's just, he's getting corralled more than he was at Pitt, right? He's not this high level athlete. He doesn't even have quite the Mahomes level of feel to really get out and escape uh, these tight situations. So you, you almost have to do a little bit more max pro a little bit more time just to give him what he wants. That's how he wants to play the quarterback position. He's going to hold on to the ball longer than a uh, Joe Burrow is going to hang out to the ball. That's just, you know, two different stylistically where they want to play, but they're trying to make him play like Joe Burrow in this offense. And that's just, you know, square peg and round hole, unfortunately. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's again, back to the uh, analogy of, uh, of a romantic re relationship. You always hear about like, uh, like, Oh, she's perfect. I just need to change her some or vice versa. And, and I, that's seems to be the, the misstep or I, you know, I don't know if it's the responsible Omar Khan and Kevin Colbert making the draft pick of Kenny Pickett. So it all leads me to, or, or if it is Matt Canada, not using Kenny Pickett or or playing into the strengths of the kid. It all leads me to this. Let's say that Kenny Pickett hadn't gone to Pitt. He had gone to, let's say, K-State. Would the Pittsburgh Steelers have drafted him at the spot they did in the first round last year? That's a great question. And it's obviously difficult to say one way or the other. I do think like what he did at Pitt, he wasn't supposed to do. I, I can see falling in love with him. I knew a lot of people who saw him as the best quarterback in that draft, saw him as worthy of where he went. I was a little lower mm -hmm. on him um, for kind of the reasons I outlined about the, you know, how he has to win at the next level. But I, I do think they probably still would have because I do think there was, you know, there was a lot to like about his performance and a lot to like about him as a person that wasn't, just because he's a pit legend and you're going to get that, you know, the fan base is going to rally around that sort of thing. So I, I think they probably still do, but it's difficult to say. I think they're, that definitely played a factor that, 
you know, it was an easy win for the fan base and, and an easy pick to like if you are going to sell yourself into a quarterback about a guy who was just, you know, a Pittsburgh Panthers legend. Hey, it's a, you know, rah, rah and all that. And being a fan of a team, it's become a little more acceptable than it was 20 years ago when I first started talking into a microphone, but I don't mind telling you from the fan level. And this is, this is the time to say this because things are not going well for the Steelers. So it's not (laughs) as easy to, uh, to, for people to go like, yeah, that's right. Yins. I, if it doesn't work out for Kenny Pickett in this situation, I still say, I go back to that spot and say, this was spiritually the absolute right thing to do. If you can win with the local quarterback at the pro level, it will make it that much sweeter. And so I do not think that Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, uh, the Rooney family and beyond made a misstep here. I do think that on some level, though, they are they, they've miscast him a little bit. And, you know, I, I think maybe the comp would be to go back to like what we were talking about with Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals and saying like, okay, so we missed on Josh Rosen a year ago. I think that Kyler Murray is in fact the real deal. So let's draft him. I think about Josh Rosen, the mirage that happens in the misery, correct me if I'm wrong, Renner, I defer to you, the expert on this very often, the misread with college quarterbacks going into the pros is the mirage of he can get himself out of trouble with his athleticism. It's one thing I can think the perfect example is probably actually Johnny Manziel, not, uh, not Josh Rosen. Johnny Manziel could literally run away from trouble, even against Alabama, but you can't do it at the pros. You can't dodge trouble and escape the pocket and, uh, and, and make something out of no- nothing. And Kenny Pickett, is looking to bail the pocket, and he always has had that weird, even in his special season, his last year at Pitt, he always had the issue of that weird drift where he loses power and yards and, and, you know, some ability to drive the ball as he sort of gently drifts from the pocket. I'm all about those gentle rolls that we saw a lot of in pro football a year ago and moving the pocket. I think that's where Pickett's at his best. And then that brings me back to what are you doing, Matt Canada? If that's what the kid, um, if that's where the kid thrives, why are we not seeing that more consistently? Yeah, there was, um, I think it was Norv Turner when I was early on with PFF said he doesn't watch college quarterbacks, evaluating college quarterbacks. He only watches them under pressure because that is the quickest way you fail college the NFL is just not having that like that that ability to handle what's going on move accordingly and still be able to throw footballs because that's going to be a lot of you know 30 or dropbacks in the NFL are going to be like that we're going to have to handle it and if you're just a dud on a third of those dropbacks you are the worst quarterback in the NFL right you're, you're in the mix for that so it was one thing that did worry me and is exactly what you said there is that his move versus pressure was backwards a little bit it was kind of like drift off to the side backwards and then as to said, the like right that limits or he pirouettes yeah. to his left he makes that hard turn yes. and he ran himself into that sack in the injury on fourth and one inexplicable i mean again that's the perfect storm kenny pickett making mm-hmm. bad decisions off of a horrible play call i mean that is the quintessential matt Canada experience at this point is fourth and <laughs> one i mean again now you're playing against the Houston Texans defense. I, you know, D'Amico Ryans looks like he's putting something nice together and all that, but fourth and one, you go gun there. there there's no threat at all. You, you, you go gun out of that. 
And then on top of it, the problem is made worse by Kenny Pickett spinning himself into uh, injury and all of that when he had not one, but at least two options to dump the pass, uh, dump the ball off to. By the way, he could have run for it as well. Um, that, I, I'm sorry, I had to obsess a little <laughs> bit over that fourth and one play here while I'm talking to you. But yes, continue with where you were going there. I know. And he's kind of just, he'll limit himself. And then like that just gets exacerbated mm-hmm. by a bad offensive line. So you just guy that, you know, you would have liked to have put a better offensive line. And I think like Jalen Hurts did some of the same things at Oklahoma too, but you see him playing behind the best offensive line in the NFL and it doesn't matter all of a sudden. Like it's not nearly as big a deal. But I do think you mentioned the fourth and one. The, the worst call to me was the third and two when they were in scoring range. I believe it was first drive of the second half where they yeah. just run inside zone from two yards out from the gun. It's like no window dressing, no eye candy, just run up. Like you don't have the guys right now. Like that's why you can do that again. If I go back to the Eagles. You can do that if you're the Eagles. Sure. You can run inside zone to your heart's delight and you'll pick it up. But like they don't have the dudes right now. And so when you don't have the dudes up front, you better be trying a little more. You can't just say, Oh, we didn't execute well enough. Well, it's like, yeah, you're not going to execute well enough. Cause you don't have a good offensive line. <laughs> like they're, they're never going to execute well enough for you. Well, let me, so you let gotta me ask, I, I got to interrupt you on that because here, yeah. uh, my misread, I, I, I said for, for many, many moons that I am not an O-line evaluator, but I do buy that they went out and uh, Andy Weidel comes over from Philadelphia and he certainly is expert at loading up at the line of scrimmage. And they did a lot of good work. It appeared this off season in the draft and free agency to fix both sides of the line of scrimmage. So again, it comes back to, is the, uh, was it a misread by me and many other people that the talent just wasn't there? Is San Francisco the best team in pro football? Is it such a gargantuan jump? Think about it. Start from Brock Purdy to Kenny Pickett. From, okay, CMC is a massive upgrade from what the Steelers have at running back, but very different styles. I think Najee Harris has been diminished wildly for, you know, again, talk about misuse. That's the main problem with Najee Harris. He's a banger. What do you, outside pitches, tosses to Najee Harris? What do you, you know who he is, right? Um, Is the offensive line, is the talent just not there yet? Is is it, that's what I'm hearing from you. Or is it the scheme that is undermining the talent? So, so one, I don't like the talent is, I don't think that. And okay. I like that you mentioned San Francisco, because I, I don't think they're too dissimilar from an offensive line talent perspective. And now they do have Trent right. Williams, which like obviously like gives you some whatever, but like the rest of that off the line is probably left guard to right tackle about the same Pittsburgh versus them. But like what they do is they roll pockets. They don't run up the gut. They're not running just inside zone. They're getting wide with CMC. They're doing different stuff. They're giving you a lot to where, they're not just asked to, you know, deuce block 10 times a game. Like the Steelers offensive line is just saying, move these guys off the line of scrimmage. It's like, you don't have the people movers that you got to do a little something, to put them in a better situation. So it's the, it's the inability or the uh, what I'm, inability to scheme around the fact that you don't have a good offensive line that San Francisco does. They're either getting the ball out of Brock's hands quickly or using play action to buy him more time. The inability to scheme around that and give Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, put them in more situations that I think, is the problem. And to me, the thing that really like, I think teams that run screens, well, like that's a good proxy for how good your offensive coordinator is, is hmm. if your screen designs are picking up numbers, like, you know, Andy Reid's traditionally always been that. I think uh, this year, I think the team that has most first downs on screens, I think it's Jaguars, Doug Peterson, like good play callers, 
run good screens. I, I think the Steelers this year, I think I looked it up one first down on screens. They've run like 13 screens this year. Just going nowhere. You obviously look at the Bears and what they've done. Screens like when you're not a good play caller, you just don't understand how the screens work. And I think that's been another avenue where it's just like when they try different stuff, when they try to go outside the box, it's really not like it's not the uh, it's not the stuff that's working around the NFL. Straight up, I, I this is a crazy remark from someone who sounds drunk at the bar, but I swear Matt Canada miscounts defenders. He feels I I I, I think he comes up with these plays on a piece of paper, maybe at the bar. I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe he's at the other end for me. <laughs> and he comes up with these and he doesn't actually put them into practice to see if if the um to to see if the tight end can get across the line of scrimmage to make the block that he anticipates for this to spring this run before he runs it's it's time and everything i mean <laughs> it feels to me like the one of the crimes that canada is committing is those guys those Steelers uh offensive skill guys are getting smacked he is putting them in the spots that are consistently getting them lit up. Um, and as far as that goes, I do think Kenny Pickett has taken some shots here. Now, I, I don't uh, absolve him of responsibility for that. But I do see, you know, people have told me for years, the old uh, the old thing about um, Blaine Gabbert, like he sees ghosts, like he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like pressure around him. And the point is well taken that watch college kids when they have pressure on them and see how they react. But as human beings, uh, you know, the the longer you you walk the planet Earth, the more you become um, existentially aware. And so it's in your late 30s where you're like, I don't want to get hit anymore. But it does seem to me <laughs> like maybe Kenny Pickett is seeing some ghosts here. Do you see that? I, and it goes back to, I think, just like his initial reaction to pressure and, and what it has been his entire career. And then just pile on more. Right. And, and so, like you almost get entrenched in how you react to pressure. And then it just snowballs. It's like what everyone said about, uh, you know, David Carr and his career getting ruined by, you know, that off the line. It, and that's a real thing. Like it changes your eye level, the more pressure you're under because the play we talked about where he got hurt, there wasn't really pressure. Like that wasn't really a pocket that there are going to be bodies be around on. you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And he's just assuming that, or it's just his, his first reaction is that, oh, there's a, you know, one guy kind of gets pushed into the pocket. It's going to mean a free runner. Like it's going to mean someone separating off a block. I'm toast. I got to get out of here. And so it's kind of changed his calculus of what he does when he sees pressure. And that's just, again, the last place you want your quarterback to be. So as much as they tried to improve his off of the line, those two tackles are still, still definitely an issue. Okay. I guess here's the bottom line. Cause like I say, the, the answer is very likely with the Pittsburgh Steelers specifically, is that it is not one person's fault. It is, and in fact, that's the worst possible answer, Yens. It is not like, yeah, it would be better if you could just circle <laughs> who's Waldo in the ineptitude and dismiss that person and then move forward without him. But it is a lot of different parts. But in 2023, as we try and make sense of this, as I say, in this millennium, there has been, yes, there has been the 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 great success of first ra first overall um draft picks proving their value. And Patrick Mahomes, you know, what was he 10th overall? He went one, you know, Matthew Stafford finally got his. So obviously, if you have pedigree, you can succeed and can see succeed uh, um consistently in the NFL. But there are also guys like 
Tom Brady, um, who is the alter ego of Peyton Manning, the the that those two consumed a decade in the 21st century going head to head, six round draft pick versus first overall, is playing itself out once again here with Brock Purdy kind of jumping the league. It's very strange that we may now have another 10 years of the Tom Brady experience in Tom Brady's hometown or a home region via Brock Purdy. And, you know, there's Russell Wilson in, in his years in Seattle. There are different ways to skin the cat. So here's the question for you. You get to choose one. You can have the best offensive coordinator in the league or you can have the best quarterback in the league. Go. And oh, and league, how about let's say a league average at the other spot that you don't get the pick? That one, see, I, I think there's such a difference between the haves and have-nots right now at offense coordinator. Like, there are some guys who are just dialing it up. I mean, and Ben like, Johnson it, is clearly the the, yes. the people. It's funny because Jared Goff's going to end up getting paid, it would seem, in Detroit. But, you know, he's the fungible part, right? Uh-huh. I mean, and isn't that also been proven true over and over and over again, ironically, except with Trey Lance, the one guy who they moved heaven and earth to get is the only one who <laughs> didn't work out for, for Kyle. Yes. So I do think, I think I'm going top of the league. OC over top okay. of the league quarterback as we stand right now. Now, cause I've been as a Packers fan, I think I was in a situation where there was top of the league quarterback and average OC. And that's like, you just get frustrated in that mm-hmm. situation. Now, the other side, like when it's top of the league, you go see, you're like, okay, it was there. You're just like, you missed it. Like sometimes guys miss it. That happens. But it's, I think it's more fun to watch a well-schemed offense to watch, than to watch a quarterback almost be like hamstrung because of the lack of creativity. It's funny that you conclude, I am with you, that the better thing, if you want to be a winner, you want the offensive coordinator. You want the genius. But as a football fan, kind of uninspiring like i just said we just finished 20 years and it's fairly clear now here's the irony the paradox of it it's pretty clear that without tom brady bill belichick is a good coach but not the greatest coach of all time um but at the same time i think that we're about to with Kyle Shanahan, not that Belichick's the offensive guru uh, or, or for those 20 years, but you, you take my point. And now we're moving into another. And it's kind of like we coach good. That's no fun. What you want is that what you want is your superhero <laughs> star making the difference. Right. I mean, it's but I do hear what you're saying. And I do think that that's the answer here. And I uh, OK, one last question. For you, from the outside looking in, you you probably aren't as steeped in the way of the Steelers as I am and Mike Tomlin's regime and all that. But they they don't often fire an offensive coordinator in the middle of the season. Is it warranted here? If you were ever going to do it, do you do it now? But given the fact that Kenny Pickett's on the shelf now, and so now you're putting in his backup, I know people have bloodlust right now. Give me someone's head. I don't care whose head it is. But we have to lop off someone's head to make sense of losing like that to the Texans. You can't take you can't take out the offensive coordinator as you prep for the arch rival, though, right? Yeah, I, I think if it really like if you start getting the locker room, if you start losing the locker room, sure, you you can pull the trigger. But right now, there's no. What's the next man up going to change this offense to? You know, like I just I don't think you're necessarily in a position where. It's going to change much. It rarely does, but 
I think a few more games of this, you get to mid season and this hasn't looked any better. It's more than warranted. There's enough talent here. You have, there's enough talent here to win games and obviously not having Jonathan Johnson has been a hamper too, but like, they should look better than the complete ineptitude that we've seen a handful of times. I, 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 I have the Jenga theory, which is if you remove the wrong Jenga piece, the whole thing will implode like that, which is what happens to pro football teams. You cannot excuse what hap- what's happening with the Steelers, too, that they're missing this piece or that piece that, you know, plenty of other teams have injuries. You must, especially if you're going to constantly get up to a podium and talk about the standard being the standard. It just becomes empty pap at some point. Um all right, listen, Renner, dynamite stuff. I want, I'm, I, I, la, okay, I'm sorry. One more question I got to ask you because I, I, I'm talking about moving on from quarterbacks. Let's lightning round it. Chicago Bears drafting a quarterback in the first round next year? Have to. Have so. to. Yes. Okay. So, Have no to. attempt to fix Justin Fields. Does he land he, as a starter somewhere else, Justin Fields? You can keep him on the roster. Um, I, I think he, I think teams like the Ravens would love to try to develop him behind. Lamar Jackson, you know, it seems like a running quarterback that are using quarterback and running game a lot would love to like try to develop them. But I, there's enough tape at this point where it's just like, you got to take another chance. It doesn't mean necessarily have to trade them, but you got to take another chance. quarterback. Steelers drafting a quarterback in the first round in 2024. I don't think so because they'll be drafting like 16th again, right? They'll be eight, nine, nine and eight. Probably. And seven. Yes, they will be. You know, right. every year they are. And that's the worst place, you know, historically to find quarterbacks usually. So, well, they're not going um, to attempt to, they're not going to purposely so, yeah. start dropping games or anything else, but Mitchell Trubisky no, in the center it. might put them in that spot. Um, and sure. the one that fascinates me is although Zach Wilson looked, uh, looked halfway decent on Sunday night. Let's not ignore the the fumble, everybody. Let's not make it a conspiracy theory that the league's in the bag for the Chiefs. Zach Wilson fumbled the ball, hit him in the hands. Um, that probably had as much to do with the outcome as anything. But um, I think what's really fun, what if the Jets wind up? And, you know, you talk about a deep quarterback class. What if they wind up top five pick? Do they take a quarterback with Aaron Rodgers on the roster and Zach Wilson? I, th- I think so. Uh, and that's because if because you end up with top five pick, I mean, Zach Wilson did not look like Zach Wilson, we saw for like two drives last night, the rest of the season, right? It means he kind of tanked because this defense is still good enough that if he looks good at all, they'll be at least around 500 again. Um, all right. Awesome stuff, Renner. I thought this was good. What did you think, Eddie Spaghetti? Give him a letter grade. This is his first run. So we have, we have to see. Does he get to come back or not? And don't, please don't be a homer about the Notre Dame crap either. You can be a homer if he wants to. It's 100%. It's an A+. It's an A+. Plus. It's an A+. Plus. Anyone going through it, we have to go through to watch uh, the Fighting Irish week in, week out with the game. And a, a good, oh, poor a good you. Duke team. It's a, sad hey, for you guys. Hey, good Duke team. Great quarterback. Great head coach is probably going to move on somewhere else next season. Um, and yeah, even the defense looked pretty good. I mean, having to score t- a rushing touchdown with like 30-some-odd seconds left, um, it's it's unnecessary. And um, it, it definitely was an exhale. So yes, that's an that's an A plus because we have to suffer through that. <laughs> what does that have oh, to yeah. do a with plus. Mike Renner's performance that he had to suffer through that? Because he showed up you and did the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking like he got kneecapped. I over stick the up for the community. That's what it is. Okay. All right. 
It must be a tough spot to be in, to, to know that every network and every uh, cable partner and everybody else is rooting like hell for you to to not lose games. That, that, that would come into every season with that. Is that. Listen, you know I'm in on the Irish this year, Spaghetti and Renner. So uh, so I guess uh, we're, we're, you know, like the Steelers need to do, start rowing in the same direction. Hey, great stuff, Renner. Let's do it again um, soon as we as the Steelers or and or some other teams sink deeper into a hole and start looking ahead to the light that is the draft in uh, in springtime <laughs> of 2024. Continued success to you and to your Irish and beyond. Thank you so much. And yes, the draft is always the beacon of hope at the end of the tunnel this year. Could be the well, We got to get Renner, though. We got to get him some stuff on his walls. We got his new crib there in Nashville. All white walls. You're oh, just going to keep TVs. it like that. Is that your style? Look at that. The focus is on the TVs. You can't. Oh my God. Look at you. You really are. You're the thing that women post about. Locked in all weekend. Look at that. He's got a mane (laughs) of hair, handsome devil. And he's like, I don't have time for you, ladies. Football is my my number one lady. I got to spend all weekend in, in my hole here. Well done. I like it. All right, Very Renner. Uh, let's uh, let's kibitz it, it again soon. Thanks for the time today, man. And now a quick break. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. What do you think? Real quick, let's wrap it up here. He's great. Um, I will say this, um, you know, appealing. because he suffered through the Duke game. Kind of. It's also tough to like root for Notre Dame because people constantly just have to hate you just for hating you, but whatever. But uh, what I was going to say something nice. You about chose us. the Yankees in Notre Dame. That's I you. I, you chose I, the most hated choose. teams. There was not a day where I sat at a table like a college recruit and I picked a hat and put it on. It was just, it is what it was. Like, okay, it was, well, I, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. You didn't, you, this this was the life you were born into, but you can't try and talk yourself out of that being oh, no. reality. You're the I'm, hated teams. That's right. I'm not, I'm not talking myself out of it. What I will say is this though, and I feel like I may be in a similar boat to you, um, you know, in a few hours here, whenever you're listening to this, the, the, the Monday night football game between the Giants and the Seahawks, it, like you mentioned before, Yankees not in the playoffs, 82 and 80 record. Notre Dame almost slipped up with two losses in the beginning of by October. And then now if the Giants lose this, their schedule getting pretty tough before it eases up. Um, then it's like we just have hockey season. And then we know how the hockey uh, seasons have been going where we'll have like the Anaheim Ducks somehow like win the Stanley Cup and we'll be crushed. So it's like. I don't I no longer will make fun of people who are those bandwagon kind of pink hat sports fans who just root for those teams that win because winning feels good and losing and the struggle of losing does not feel good. So I am done criticizing like those Fairweather fans. I want to become a Fairweather fan so badly. Spaghetti's a Swifty now. Look at that. That's what you say. You're a Swifty now. You and Taylor park your cars in the same garage now. Um, hope your Pearl Jam or your Eddie Vedder experience went well down in uh, Dana Point. California always looks lovely down there. I want to hear more about that um, when we get Hench on the line later in this week, and we'll give you our 15-minute show. Meantime, 
um, up on Monday and then on Wednesday and Friday, I'm on with Toby Mergler on his great show, Trendy, Very Fun Turning Gambling, which is already a game into a game in and of itself. Check that one out. Good conversation there with him. Make sure you're checking out everything on the Extra Points Network. We appreciate you subscribing to the YouTube page, to this show, share it with friends or enemies, depending on whether or not you like it. And uh, we'll be back later in the week to talk about sports some more. Until then, thanks so much, sports fan. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>